Well, good morning, church. I said, good morning, church. One more time, good morning, church. It is good to see everybody. Welcome. Glad you're here on this Labor Day weekend. It means the world that you came. I know there are many of you resting and you're traveling and you're vacationing, so we want to say thank you for joining us online as well. I want to give you a quick update. We have an Israel trip planned for the month of February. If you've ever been a part of that or want to be a part of that, we want to encourage you to join us. We do have a deadline to ensure your spot, so you need to sign up and pay by October 23rd. So for all information, all things Israel, you can go to our guest service area. They'll have the website and everything that you need to know about to be a part of that. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. And uh, so join me, go to Israel with me. It's gonna be good. All right, we are continuing our series called Grounded. Uh, we did week number one on God's uh, word, to be grounded in God's word. Week number two, we talked about being grounded in God's spirit. Last week, we took a break, and Pastor Joe Dobbins preached a mighty word last week. Wasn't that a great message on believing big, praying big prayers? Really, really good. And then this week, we're going to continue on God's church, and next week, we'll wrap the series up with God's mission. Everybody say God's church. Want to remind you again that you can sign up for our text devotionals that we're sending out twice a week during this series specifically. And so we've been sending videos out. And so if you haven't done it before, you don't have to redo it if you've already done it. But if you want to sign up, some 700 or 800 of you have already signed up to do this. So if you want to hear some more uh, teaching about this week's topic, uh, we'll text these to you on Tuesday and Thursday, I believe, in the morning time. They're about five to seven minutes uh, just to help you. Uh, to encourage you, give you a little word snack in the middle of the week, I guess. Okay, uh, we've been taking this series out of Acts chapter number two, um, just a little portion of scripture that we've been taking this entire series out of. The book of Acts is documentation of the first century church. After Jesus resurrects and goes into heaven, this is the, the Holy Spirit comes down, this is the action of the works of the Holy Spirit and the first century church and the apostles, the book of Acts, is not only documentation of the first century church, but we also understand that it is a blueprint for today's church, that if we wanna see what today's church should look like biblically, we need to look back at the first century church and see what they look like historically. Acts chapter two, verse 42 says, and they devoted themselves, speaking about the first century followers of Jesus, to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Verse 43, and all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking Bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I want to get your attention on verse 44. It says, and all who believed were together. Everybody say together. together. Notice this, all who believed were watching online. Not being hateful, we thank God for our online opportunities. No, it says 
all who believed sometimes, every once in a while, were together. It says all who believed, everybody who were calling on the name of the Lord believed, and watch this, they not only believed, but they were together. A distinctive feature of the first century church was that they gathered together. Everybody say together. Come on, say we're better together. When these new believers came to faith in Christ, they made their way to these new Jesus gatherings where the rich and the poor, where the young and the old, where the Jew and the Gentile were gathering together in little homes or little tiny meeting places and worshiping God and hearing the word. I think the first century church understood more then what we can forget now is that in order to be grounded in our faith, we must have it cultivated in a community of believers. Can I get a big amen? My prayer is that today this message will do a couple things. Number one, for those of you that prioritize the house of God on a consistent basis, that this message will just solidify your belief in the power and the presence of the local church in your life. And not only that, I wanna to talk to the people that may be a little more fringe, and I want, to, I want the Holy Spirit to draw you today to, to make a commitment to invest your life in the, in the power and the importance and to prioritize the house of God in your life. In fact, let me just hear from everybody in the room who's thankful for the local church. Let me hear from you. There you go. There you go. Because everybody in this room, I believe, is clapping because they know that things happen in God's house that just don't happen anywhere else. We understand through the Bible that God loved the church and he died for the church. We understand that the church is God's plan A to save the world and that there is no plan B. So there's a few things I think we need to understand when we talk about the church. Uh, first off, I think we need to understand that the church is not a building. Church is not a building. The church gathers in buildings, but the church is much more than square footage underneath a roof. The, the, the church is more than just a physical address. The church is not just a place that we gather. We thank God for the places that we gather, but it is much more than that. The church was not man's idea. You hear that stuff all the time. The church is a man-made institution that manipulates poor people out of their money and manipulates people and wants power. And No, no, let me just help you. Jesus said, can I just quote Jesus to the skeptics? Jesus said, on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So the church is, is not something that is, can be defined by a physical address, and the church is not necessarily something that was man's man-made idea. The church is a spiritual family that you and I belong to. That, that's the idea of the church, and, and it's important for you to understand that you can come to a church building and not be in the church family. 
<laughs> Let me say it like this. Just because you go to church doesn't mean you're saved. But if you're saved, you'll go to church. Am I helping you? There's an article Peter Haas wrote about the benefits from a social, from social research and, and secular research, the benefits of going, going to church. And number one, a significantly lower risk of depression. You can see a 22% drop with those who go to church versus those who don't. Number two, better time and life management. People who attend church have a better ability to manage time and achieve their goals. Also, church attendance has a direct effect on reducing deviant behavior such as drug use, violence, and delinquency among at-risk youth. Number three, better grades uh, and higher education prospects. That's amazing for all of us that have our kids in church. We're raising up geniuses. Come on, somebody. Church attendance is correlated with higher math, reading scores, and greater educational aspirations. Church attenders are more likely to complete homework and degree programs. Number four, significantly lower risk of death and a longer life expectancy for those who go to church. You can look all these up online. You can live longer going to church. One article in 2016 in the USA Today said that religion may be a miracle drug for life expectancy. According to a recent study at Vanderbilt University, people who attended worship services may reduce their mortality rate by 55%. In other words, it doesn't kill you to go to church. <laughs> Here's what I want you to catch, Acts chapter two, verse 46. It says, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. So we know from the scriptures that we just read, those who believed, all that believed were in church together. There were no, no fringe children, no fringe believers. Everybody who believed gathered together. That was the mark of the local church. In fact, I read a study one time that there are more people that go to church on a weekend in the world than every sporting convent combined all year. That's one weekend more people go to church on the planet Earth in one weekend than sporting convents combined around the world. Isn't that incredible? We have no headquarters. Imagine that. We have no, we're just people gathering together in the name of Jesus and worshiping our God and our Savior and our healer and our Father, and we're grateful to be in the house together. So we know that they were believers, we know that they were together, and they were together often. Well, where were they together? Look what the scripture says. They were in the, te they were in the temple together, and then they were in homes together. So not only were they meeting at a corporate gathering where there are larger crowds, but they were also meeting in smaller gatherings where there are smaller crowds. So not only does our faith need a macro setting, our faith needs a micro setting. Faith needs a big room of corporate worship, and faith also needs, in, a, in connection to that, a smaller setting of relationships and accountability, doing life with people in a setting like that. You know, when you're in a church our size, it's really easy to be autonomous, to come in and to sneak in and sneak out and nobody know you and, and nobody connect with you and you don't get to know anybody, and it's easy to, to miss a few weeks and not build any relationships. I don't have time to go through it, but studies will show that people who are not relationally connected at a church will never be satisfied at that church. 
We'll never fully be connected and satisfied with that local church. So one of the things we do here, and today is the launch day of our small group season. I wanna encourage you, not only do you need, not, not only do you need to attend a large gathering, not only do we need to come together for church, but we need to find a group in our church that we connect to and people know your name, right? People need to be needed and people need to be known. I guarantee you, in fact, I can tell you this without any doubt, there are so many people in this church that have been here for a long time. When you talk to them, the reason they're here still is that they knew people. They knew people. You could talk to people and I'll ask them, how long you been coming about? We're coming 20 years. Wow, that's amazing. And it started with this relationship, started that connection. And it just started with relationship and getting to know people on a more on a more one-on-one basis. Because sometimes when you're in a big room like this, there's like no accountability sometimes, right? You can just sneak in, sneak out, I'm here, I'm not here. But if you're in a group, your group will know you're not here, right? Your friends will know that, hey, hey, they're not acting right or they're, they're sitting back further, they're not, in our, they're not responding in the message, and you got, a, you got a world around you that can cultivate your relationship with God. That's what they understood then, but because of our, oftentimes, what I would call like an American individualism, that we are, we are, we don't need a community of faith. We got this, we got our own thing, and, and we'll come and go when we want to go, and I want to encourage you, that's not God's blueprint for you. That's not God's blueprint for me, that, that relationship with, with God is done in relationship with others. Am I helping you a little bit? So I wanna encourage you, if you've never signed up to be a part of a small group, I wanna encourage you, today is the time. You could go online after the sermon, <laughs> just help you a little bit, and pick a group. Also, if you've never led one, maybe you've been a part of the church for a while and you wanna lead one, uh, I talked to a guy today that's starting a fishing group today. So I wanna encourage you to go and start some groups. They don't necessarily gotta sit there and be like, today, guys, we're going through the book of Lamentations. That's okay, there are groups that wanna go through that, but there are other groups that are doing fishing, there's other groups that are just having fun, there's other groups that are activity. I, I kinda like those because I wanna do life. I wanna do life, I wanna, I wanna laugh together, I wanna raise our kids together, I want us to go to the Mississippi State football game. Hail State, somebody! All right. I went yesterday, we had a good time. We had a good time. I just walked out of the stadium when they had that punt, what was that? That pump block, wasn't that amazing? The Holy Ghost hit the whole stadium. <laughs> anyway, God wired us for community, and if you're gonna grow in faith, I think you need to grow in a community. And God said in the beginning of his word, it's not good that man should be alone. And so you need to do this with somebody. And I guarantee you, if I just paused this sermon right now and went around the room and said, how important are the relationships in this church for you to still be here today? Like, Tanner, I, we didn't talk first before service, but how important are these relationships that you have in this church? In, incredible relationships that God has brought into your life and you are where you are today because of the connections and the relationships you have. Kirk, who's over our security uh, here at the church, you have a small group on Friday mornings. You're gonna have about 500 people there now, but how important is that group? Very important for personal life. Iron sharpening iron, doing life together getting to know one another. And it's just huge because like I said, it's not just micro or macro, it's both micro and macro. So wanna encourage you 
please go online, check it out today. We have tons of opportunities for you to do that. And now when we're talking about being grounded, we're talking about being grounded in the local church, local church family. And the scripture that comes to mind when you think about grounded or being planted, you think of Psalms 92 verse 13. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. So what you see here, this verse is explaining to us that a deeper level of engagement takes us to another, another level in our lives. That as our roots go deep, our lives begin to flourish. And the writer is letting us know that if we're gonna flourish in our life, we gotta be planted in the house of God. So Pastor Josiah a few months ago preached on roots and fruits. I wanna encourage you to go back and, and go watch that. But he used an illustration that I'm gonna take from you, by the way, that with your permission. You act like you didn't see it for a service. But I'm gonna borrow this from Pastor Josiah a little bit, this idea that we can easily uproot when God has asked us to be planted. And there are some ideas, there are some big thoughts that I'm sure every person in this room has heard that gives people maybe a reason to uproot their lives out of the power of the local, out of the local church. So, so maybe the first one, maybe you've heard this one, maybe you've said this one. I don't need the church to be a Christian. How many of you have heard that? I don't need the church to be a Christian. Well, the Bible says a Christian without a church home is like an organ without a body, a sheep without a flock, a child without a family. In other words, the Bible is letting us know that it is an, that it is an unnatural state to not be connected to the local church. I wanna quote my friend, Pastor Kevin Gerald, who spoke with us, or spoke here for us on Revival Nights last year. He said something super powerful the other day. He was saying that to have that mentality where it's just, I don't need the church, I just need God. That me and God got our own thing going. Pastor Kevin said, that's like being in the military. Being in the military and saying, me and the president, we got our own thing going. So I'm not gonna show up at the drills, I'm not gonna show up for training, I'm not gonna show up for the meetings, I'm not gonna show up for, for anything over here because me and the big man in the White House talk back to me a little bit. I mean, that, that's kinda how people, how people think. And you would look at that service member and say, what are you talking about? You and the president have your own thing going. That, that's, that's not true. That's not, that's not the reality. The reality of it is that, that you need to be with everybody else in training, at the drills. You don't have your own thing. You don't have Joe's number. <laughs> that if you honor God, hear me today, according to the word of God, that if you truly honor God, you'll honor his church. Right. Ephesians chapter two, listen to this. Now you are no longer strangers to God and foreigners of heaven, but you are members of God's very own family citizens of God's country, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. In other words, this idea that we got our own thing going would be foreign to the first century church. 
That idea that me and God, I don't need a weekend service to, to, for me and God to have faith. Find that in the Bible. It just seems like it's another reason to just uproot. I don't need accountability. I've graduated from that. I've been there, done that. We've served, me and my wife. We know what it used to be. We did it before. Can I encourage you who used to do it before? You don't know the church now. You only know the church from 10, 20 years ago. And let me tell you, there's more going on right now. In fact, before this service, I just was meeting with people that were talking about expanding things, exciting things that I haven't even told you about because of what God's doing here. Let me talk to vibrant people that are stuck from 10 years ago. The church is moving on, baby. Moving on. So now stick with me for a minute. We get stuck and we want to just be like, this is me and God. We got our own thing going and you are going to uproot and it will cost you because you're not, you're not planted. And when you're not planted, you won't flourish. We go to church because we are the church. Here's another one I hear oftentimes. I've got out of the habit of going. Got out of the habit of going. This one's easy to do. We get busy. We get too tired. You know, just the sports and priority list, and we've moved a little further, and there's work, and we're closing contracts, and I'm, I, you know, I'm recovering from football last night, and I got a fantasy football league today, and the weather's too bad to go. I do want to say this. This one's always fascinating to me since I've moved to Mississippi. Vibrant Church, you blow my mind how you will show up for revival nights and pack this building out. You blow my mind on a holiday weekend and how people can come. And, but if it rains, <laughs> if it even looks like it's gonna rain, bless your little hearts. We're gonna hold off, Pastor. We, we may die. It's out there. It's sprinkling on the windshield. Is that grass wet, baby? Put the kids back to bed. It's dangerous out there. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 10 says, and let us consider thoughtfully how we may encourage one another to love and to do good deeds. Well, how do we do it? Here's how you do it, verse 25. Not forsaking our meeting together as believers for worship and instruction, as is the habit of some. The habit of just, just getting out of the habit of not prioritizing it, and it, it just sneaks in. It's, it's just a really easy thing to happen that over time, little Johnny's got to practice, and over time, you know what, we never get time at the lake, and you know what, over time, and it just gets easier and easier. Church attendance is like going to the gym. How many of you know when you skip the gym, nobody's ever been to the gym. <laughs> Let's try this again. I'm with my people. I'm with my people. That's why I came to Mississippi. I said, Lord, send me to people that don't want to work their bodies. <laughs> he goes, I got just the church. <laughs> just playing. Listen, but when you break the habit of going to a gym or you break the habit of a good discipline, it's easier to just not do it the next time. It's the same way with church. When we break the habit, we just, it's easier not, not to go. We slip out of the habit. The word of God says, don't let it, don't let it happen. Here's the third one. I've heard this probably the most. I've been church hurt. I've been church hurt. Now, this is a real thing. This is real. There have been people who have been hurt and mistreated 
There have been people who've been abused. There have been people that have been mishandled. There are some things that happen in church life that, that can be lethal. And I think it's important for us to understand that, well, let me say it like this. I've never heard one time, I want, I want you to listen to me. I've never heard one time anybody ever say, I've been Jim hurt. I've never heard anybody say, I've been Cracker Barrel hurt. I've never heard anybody say, I've been Walmart hurt. You watch yourself at Walmart though, you may get hurt for real. Well, we don't say that, why don't we say that? Because Walmart didn't hurt you. People in Walmart hurt you. I've never heard anybody come to me like, Pastor, I'm done with car washes, I've been car wash hurt. Well, that, it's never hurt you. People at the car wash hurt you. <laughs> the church did not hurt you. People in the church hurt you. Because people hurt people. Wherever there are people, there are inconsistencies. Wherever there are people, there are imperfections and flaws and insecurities and opportunities for hurt and, and misunderstandings and offense. It's just, it's just part of being human. And hear me, you are always open to hurt at a church when you have unrealistic expectation of that church. Everybody at my church is perfect. It's a perfect church. My pastor, he's not true. The moment we all came in here, this, this room was perfect before we all got in here. We're imperfect people. Our church is, there will be no perfect church until you get to heaven. Well, I just want you to understand, the longer you're here, you're going to have a lot of opportunities to be offended. In fact, there's going to be things I say or do that maybe it's for the good or maybe it was bad. Maybe I've done things Right, maybe I've done things wrong, but at some point, everybody's gonna be mad at me at some point because I'm not perfect. You're imperfect. And it's important for us to understand when we're in a setting like this, it's all human beings. And I guess I just get a little frustrated when I listen to people who wanna dog the church all the time. The church, the church, the church. Where are these churches? that are claiming perfection, that then gives you the right to walk out and be mad at imperfect people, as if you ain't imperfect yourself. I'm not being judgmental or ugly, I'm just trying to help you today. I wanna pass you out of some of this stuff that's caused you to walk out because you got offended. I wanna help you put your roots back where they belong because for some of you, you've been traumatized. You're like, forget it. I don't want nothing to do with it. I've been mishandled. I, I didn't get the solo. No one noticed me. No one shook my hand. The preacher didn't call me back. I didn't get the meeting. This, this, this. You understand? You know, I think I'm gonna be a little vulnerable here for a moment, but you know, I've been here. Today is my two-year anniversary of Vibrant Church, by the way. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Thank you. Two years, when we first got here, 
you know, it was less than half of the people or more than half of the people that we have right now. We've had to recently hire new staff and, and uh, we're just managing the growth and, and the kids department and there's just a lot going on. And, but when we first got here, the church has, was going through some things and so I made my schedule extremely available, high access, high touch. I wanna spend time with as many people as I can because people are hurting, people need a pastor right now. And you could ask my wife, we met constantly with people every week, talking to people. I was on the phone, meetings, 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 meetings. And, and we had to meet one day, and she's like, I, we can't keep doing this. We, we just can't keep, can't, this cannot be our normal life. So as time has been evolving, we have pastors here that help carry the weight of my schedule and opportunities that may come to me. I can't always do every funeral and every wedding, and because at the same time, here's what I want you to understand, and I'm not getting on to you, I just want you to know how imperfect your pastor is. I got a family to raise too. And I don't want to pick the church over my kids, pick my church over my marriage. So we got a capable team that helps me and helps us all build this church together. But sometimes, here's what's funny, people will email and say, Pastor, I need to meet with just him. There's only one person on the earth that is competent to talk to me and it's Pastor Ethan. And I'm like, if you even knew how incompetent I am, and let's say, hey, Lindsay's down here, uh, second row. She's my wife and I's assistant, helps us kind of air traffic control our schedule. She can speak back to them like, hey, listen, Pastor Tommy, he's way smarter than Pastor Ethan. You're gonna want him. We let Pastor Ethan think he's smart, but Pastor Tommy's smart. They, they, then people could get mad. And, it's, and they'll like, I'll just take my family somewhere else. Can I tell you something about our church? 80% of churches, there's about 380 to 419,000 churches in the United States. 80% of churches are under 80 people. That means the pastor access is extremely high with 80 people. That means most of us who all come from small churches probably all knew the pastor personally, had pie with the pastor, loved the pastor. I love it, love it, love it, love it. I come from a small church. My daddy is pastor in 800,000 little churches. It's, yeah. But here's what I want you to understand. Our church is in 0.5% of the nation. When you run, actually we're, more, we're less than that. That means that my schedule in my life is 0.5% of pastors in this nation. Imagine that. And so I want you to understand there are times that I'm not able to do certain things. I can't go to every game and every request. And I'm not, I just want you to know, please don't uproot because I want to love my family. Please don't, please don't be upset and unreasonable when I'm just trying to be a good pastor to first where I'm first called and that's my home address with my wife and my children and then you guys after that. Is that okay? Is that okay? I said, is that okay? You're leaving me up here. People get hurt. People are imperfect. Pastors are imperfect. The church is imperfect. So when people get hurt, they uproot. And I, I, I got five closing thoughts very quickly I wanna give you to help the people who are struggling with being uprooted. Are you ready? If you've been hurt in church, notice I didn't say if you've been hurt by church. If you've been hurt in church, number one, don't lose faith. Don't blame the church and don't walk away from God because you've been hurt by people in the church. There are some mean people in church. 
There are some rude people in church. There are some well-meaning people in church. But I want to encourage you, don't lose faith. Can I say this? You know, all the disciples, after Judas screwed up and did his thing and betrayed Christ, all the other disciples stayed with Jesus. You ever thought about all the other? They all all stayed, and Judas left. After Judas did some church hurt stuff, all the other disciples stayed with Jesus because their focus was on Jesus, not on Judas. You know, when you, when you talk to people who've been, who've been hurt in the church, they'll say things like, I'm never going back to church ever again. They're all hypocrites. It's like, how are you gonna quit every church? Like every church, you're gonna quit every church. I can understand you quitting that church, but if you quit every church, could it be that your eyes are on Judas and not on Jesus? If you quit every church, could it be that you just love the idea of getting the solo and getting the affirmation and getting the attention, or you like getting the pastor to shake your hand, or or you like getting an ear on the board, and when you didn't get it, you quit the church, and now the church is corrupt. No, you didn't love Jesus like you should. You loved the church like you shouldn't. The church became a place of affirmation for you, which is sick. The church is not made for you to feel affirmed. The church is made for God to be worshiped. Don't lose faith, don't lose faith. Number two, if you've been hurt in church, extend grace. Extend grace. You're gonna need to give grace to someone that you're gonna need back at some point. Extend the grace to others that you're gonna need at some point in your life. Because I promise you, Jesus said it, you're gonna get back what you give first, right? Extend grace. Remind yourself they're human. Remind yourself they're working through it. Remind yourself that you may be more mature than them. Remind yourself that that they're growing. Number three, if you've been hurt in church, don't don't slander. That's tough. Because when you're hurt, when your heart hurts, your head don't work. You start saying things. And so the bad thing is you, you, could, you could damage the view of God in the, in, the, in the eyes of a bunch of lost people who don't know anything about God, but you've put the church and the pastor and its members down so bad that you may do irreputable damage. You're, 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 like, it can never be fixed what you could do with people. Or you, you say a bunch of stuff to your family about the church and then Everything's good in the church all of a sudden, and you're back reconciled with a pastor or a friend or, 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 or a church member, and, and everything's good, but the people you gossip to are, no, are still now mad, and you're over it. Am I talking to anybody who knows what I'm talking about? Everybody else is good, but everybody over here is still mad and bitter and upset because the natural inclination of bitterness, the Bible says the root of bitterness springs forth and defiles many, which means that when I'm offended, I send out invitations for others to join me in my offense. So when people are mad, the first thing they do is they pick up the phone and say, Mama, you ain't going to believe this. (laughs) And then you are good, and then Mama's still mad. Just resist that, resist slandering. If you've been hurt in church, forgive, forgive. 
To forgive people, here's what you need to know. You don't need an apology from them. In fact, they don't even need to know they were as offensive as they have been. You don't need them to say they're sorry for you to forgive them. Take that hurt and forgive that person. Here's the last one. This is the hardest one, but I want to encourage you. If you've been hurt in the church, get healed in the church. This is some of you. Some things happened. Some hurt could be 10, 20, 30 years ago, and you've pulled your family, and here you are trying to trying to raise a family, trying to build a marriage, trying to build a business, and you're not planted. And if I left that there for days and days and days, we'll come back in a few weeks, that thing's gonna be dead. Because it wasn't planted, it wasn't nourished, it wasn't watered, it wasn't where it should have been. And you can't see the difference at first, by the way. But in the long term, you'll begin to see the residual effects of being unplanted. To be, of being not grounded in your faith and in your life. Pastor Tommy shared with me a story of the fallen tree, shared with me this picture, rather, of the fallen tree in Richmond Park in London. As you can see, this picture, I think could help you today is at some point, this tree had experienced a storm, winds, something fell down flat. And while it was laying on the ground, somehow it was able to reestablish its root system. And it was able to bring life back into it again. Some of you feel that's your life. This is your ministry. This is your family. This is your prayer life. This is your mind. This is your marriage. It's not where it used to be. It's not what I expected. We've been through a storm. I didn't expect this pain. I didn't expect this hurt. I didn't expect this situation. But can I tell you today, even if you feel that's where you are, that does not negate the fact that you can still put your roots in the ground and say, you know what? As for me and my house, we're going to serve God. I know it's painful, and I know you seem far, and I know it's hurting, and I know it's uncomfortable, but I've come to challenge someone today. Maybe you are, hear me, maybe you're in the room, but you're not planted. Maybe you've been attending, but you have kept a distance because of somebody who's hurt you or things have been said. I've come to tell you today, if you've been hurt in the church, it's time to be healed in the church. Put your roots down. Let God begin to heal and to nourish your soul and bring you back to life. Because the last thing you want to do is give your kids the gift of a grudge toward the local church. The last thing you want to do is give your kids the gift of gossip about all the church members. And then one day, you're going to turn around and they're going to be looking at you and have, no, and have nothing to do with the church. And you're going to say, why don't you go to church? Well, why would I? Isn't that the place of the most, most painful experiences of your life and this and that? No, I'm... 
I would encourage every one of you to go home and celebrate the church in your house. Tell your kids, we get to go to church. We don't have to go to church. We're going to be planted in this place. We're going to let God do a work in our, in our lives. How many of you have been going to church for over, uh, how many of you have been going to church your whole life? Whole life. You were raised in church your whole life. Church your whole life. Sir, you just went like that. How long you been going to church? Long as you can remember. Uh, how many times you've wanted to quit? You have quit a couple times. You're perfect for this illustration. I'm gonna get you so good. No, remind me of your name. Daniel. So there's been times you've stepped away. How many times you felt drawn to be back? Just knowing that God's pulled you, touching, tugging your heart. Every time you stepped away. Is your life better in the church or outside the church? In the church. In the church. Who has been in church for a long time? Everybody's like, oh God, please no interviews from the stage. What about you, ma'am? What's your name? Rachel? How long you been in church your whole life? Have you ever stepped away from the church? A few times. These are the people I'm so glad I'm picking right now. There are so many people that are not back to being planted again. I'm glad you're here. The devil would love nothing more than your story to be the living on the Oregon family. But you're here today. God's strengthening you and bringing life to you. You're here today, Daniel. I know I pick on your family a whole lot, but how much strength have you pulled from the church? Here, so come up here a little bit, just stand right here. We didn't do this last service, we didn't plan this, but I need you to take up an offering real quick. Your little boy Henry, how's he doing? He's doing great. Doing great. Can you tell everybody what he's been through, if you don't mind? Don't hand it to her. Church people won't let it go. <laughs> Just go ahead. He was diagnosed with leukemia um, last July. How old is he? He's three and a half now. Um, we took him to St. Jude's, and um, through that, he, I think that was last July when he got diagnosed. In August, he was put into remission through the chemo. Um, and he's been in remission ever since. But the treatment for leukemia is, uh, it's over two and a half years. So we go every week to St. Jude's. Um, we drive up Thursday night, we spend the night there. Friday, we have our treatment and we get to go home. And um, he is doing so fabulous. God has been so gracious yeah. to him. Yeah, yeah. So, I think I mentioned it to the church before, but if you remember, so you're from Ohio. Yes. Go Bucks. You're from Ohio. And my wife and I were in Ohio when he was in Akron Children's yes. Hospital, which was the hospital that I was in when I was when I was 10 months, 10 days old and trying to die. And you were you were there and we didn't tell you we were coming. No. We found him. And I want you to know this. 
church family sometimes is all you have. I mean, she's got a good family. But we thank God that in moments like this, yes. can you, I went in there, little Henry is like this big. He's the cutest little thing you've ever laid your eyes on. And we went in there, we prayed, because that's church family. That's, that's doing life together. That, that's, that's, where would we be without each other? You understand? Thank you so much. Where would you be? Kathy Hill, how long you been in church? 54 years. You went to church with Jesus when he was a child. <laughs> Just kidding. How many times have you probably wanted to uproot, walk out? At least 30 times today? Is that what you're saying? And you stayed 30 years. The devil probably got, you know what? They don't care about you. They don't notice you. And you could just uproot and get out, but you're here today. Leaving a spiritual legacy for your family. I guess my heart for you today is, I don't know your story, but as your pastor, please allow me to speak into your life and say, don't bail on it. It'll be the greatest source of blessing in relationship. You could walk out like 100 million other people do. Or you could be like the first century church that was grounded. Or you can be like them in the Bible that said, as for me and my house, I'm decided. This is what we do. I don't care what the little Johnson family down there does. I don't care what this family over here does. I don't care what they do on this street, but this is what we do in this house. We take the church, the church serious. Are you thankful for the church today? I'm thankful, man. Will you stand with us all over the room? I just wanna pray a prayer over you. I just wanna pray God's blessing on you. That the church will be something that you take serious, a priority in your life. And if it ain't here, it's somewhere. You military families that are jumping around the country and serving our nation, and we thank you. That when you leave this church, we pray you find a good one. You stay connected to the house of God. Don't uproot your family. Stay, stay true to it and believe the best is yet to come. So can we pray together today? With eyes closed, if you don't know Jesus in this room, you may be in the church, but you ain't in the spiritual family of God. If you're in this place today, do not leave this room without saying yes to Jesus and surrendering your life once and for all. If that's you, I want you to do me a favor and say, Pastor Ethan, will you pray for me today? I wanna know Jesus. I wanna give my life back to him. I, I need to rededicate my life to him one more time. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand nice and high all over the room. Thank you for those hands. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for those hands. I saw that hand go up just now. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for that hand right there. Thank you for that hand, I see that. That's awesome, church. Come on, people putting their hands up to say yes to Jesus today, I see that hand. Come on, that's amazing. Let's pray together, all of us repeat this prayer. Say, dear God, forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean with your blood. Make me new. I wanna be in your family. I wanna prioritize your kingdom. In Jesus' name. If you believe it today, put your hands together. Give God a big, big, big. Come on, people getting saved. Welcome to the family.
Here's what I want to do. I want to pray over us as a church that we will believe in the power and the presence of the local church. Can we do it? Vibrant, if you're comfortable with it, I'd love for you to raise your hands or just put your hand on your heart, whatever you're comfortable with. Father, I pray a blessing over our church today that we will be a church that will stand strong and be planted and be grounded, that we will take the things of your word and your spirit seriously. We will prioritize your kingdom. We will do what you say. We will gather together all those who believe. And I pray in Jesus' name that there will be a spirit of maturity, a spirit of growth in our church. I pray discipleship beginning to happen. I pray small groups beginning to grow. I pray a hunger for the Word of God. And I pray souls, souls, souls coming in those doors and being saved and baptized and filled with the Spirit of God. In Jesus' name, if you believe it today, give God a big, 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 big praise.